0: and welcome to afl rewind a look back at all things arena football sponsored by phenom elite i'm your host tim capper well what is a legend a legend is an extremely famous or notorious person especially in a particular field. And in order to live up to that name or that, you know, that adjective, you have to be as good as the word itself. And we were lucky enough this episode to be speaking with a legend in the Arena Football League. Uh, Not only is he an Arena Football League champion, He is the holder of uh, of of many accolades, but he is also an Arena Football League Hall of Famer. We're going to be speaking with Arena Football Legend Touchdown Eddie Brown, and with us this episode, it is my pleasure to be talking with a gentleman who is considered a legend among legends in the Arena Football League. Uh, not only was he voted to many of the all-time lists in league history, he is also a uh, an Arena Bowl champion. Touchdown, Eddie Brown. Hey, Eddie, thanks for joining us. No problem. It's, it's a pleasure to, to come on and, and speak with you guys. Speak with you. Uh,
1: so it's a pleasure, mine as well. And I want to say thank you, thank you as well.
0: Um, uh, now, for those who don't know, because this is a little bit of your career that I actually don't know about, and I'm going to learn. Quite, I'm sure going to be learning quite a bit from you tonight. Um you, you know you started off with the with the Albany Firebirds in 1994 but I'm sure what people want to know is how do, did you learn about arena football and what brought you into the arena football league and especially with the Albany Firebirds
1: I would tell you what brought me into the arena football league I was uh I was playing with the Arizona Cardinals and uh I had I had made the team one year I came back the second year and I had got cut and uh my receivers coach his name was Ted Plum, great guy, awesome coach. And I think uh, Mike Hornsey called Ted Plum. I think they knew each other. And he called Ted Plum and just inquired about players. Period. Just different players from the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And Ted Plum said to him, "You know what? I got. I know a guy that you should reach out to. I think he'll be great for your league." And and Ted Plum mentioned my name. And uh, what ended up happening was the Albany Firebirds called me. That's how I, that's how I got a, acquainted with the Arena Football League. From okay. that, uh, Mike Hornsby, who was the head coach of the Albany Firebirds at the time. He called me. And uh, Tim Markham, uh, God bless today, great guy, great friend of mine, he was with the Tampa Bay Storm. Mm-hmm. They both had called me at the same time to come play. But I had went back to school and I was finishing up my degree. And Mike Hornsey told me that he would allow me to come back to take my exam so I can graduate. So with him allowing me to do that, I signed to come play with the Albany Firebirds. That's how I got with the Albany Firebirds.
0: Wow. So you're saying, and it is very possible, you may have been a Tampa Bay Storm player.
1: Yes, because I'm a Florida kid. Yeah. And I would have loved to come back to Florida and play. But the difference was one coach was going to allow me to... Uh, go back and, and take my exams, mm. and the other was not. That was the difference. Okay. That's how I got to the Albany
2: fireworks
0: Okay. And and I mean, was it how easy was it for you to get used to the game? Because obviously, for some players coming off of the the hundred yard game, it's not that easy to mm-hmm. to get used to arena football, especially the shorter field, the the nets and the uh, and the walls. How easy was it for you or hard was it for you to get used to the game?
1: Uh, I don't think, well, a few things that I, I don't think it was easy to get used to it. I think a few things helped me.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, one thing helped me was uh, I had got cut from the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. and I was in my dorm room. I'll get to where I'm going. You'll understand. Yeah, it. sure, sure. <laughs> and I was, at, I was in my dorm room back in school. And I had prayed to God that if he gave me another chance to play football again, nobody, no one would ever outwork me again. No one would ever outwork me. And I also had asked God in the same thing, that I wanted to also coach and work with kids. So now when I came to the Arena League, I had to fulfill my commitment that I had asked of God. Okay. So the way I was able to do that was Freddie Gales was one of the top receivers at that time. So Freddie Gales was, was teaching me about the different angles in the arena and how to run the routes to which the, you're not leading yourself into the wall. Right. So that helped from a receiver's point of view. And at the time, I had a guy named Mike Perez, great guy. I love him to death. He he really like taught me all the odds and ends, the offense, how to do this, how to do that. We would go out like an hour or two before practice, And run routes and throw. We'll stay afterwards and do different things. And then we'll have some of the deepest conversations. And then we will go back home that night. We'll watch film. He'll show me me film of uh, Stevie Thomas Mm -hmm. and George LaFrance. He showed me a tape of those guys running routes. I hadn't played a game as we're talking right now. But he would show me tapes of those guys. How uh, George LaFrance would take the high angle on his routes. How patient he was. He would show me that. He would show me the physicality of Stevie Thomas. He's like, these guys are the best guys in the league. And if you want to be the best, you have to be, these are the guys you have to be better than. These are the things that they're doing. So I, I, I would have six to seven hours of that kind of training to which when I got, when I arrived to my first game, I was ready mentally and physically from all the stuff that was put in front of me to help me become who I became. Right. I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh, it does. Well, by all means. I mean, and if anybody knows your career, you look at your very first year in the arena football league, Eddie. I mean, you, you <laughs> I mean, 101 receptions, 1,324 yards, 44 touchdowns, which was your career high for for quite a while and, 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 until you, you eclipsed it. You were a... A, a star right out of the gate. Um, I mean, how is it that, you know, that uh, you must have had one heck of a repertoire between you and Mike Perez because you seem to be on his radar the entire year. And, you know, the team itself, you, you went 10 and 2. A lot of Albany fans and a lot of Reno Football League fans will consider, even though your championship team, you know, you went in 99, but a lot of people would say that probably this 10 and 2 team was probably one of the best teams. In, you know one of the top ten team best teams in league history
1: how' did you guys do it that year uh like like I said me and mike Perez, we like spent hours and hours of just training studying uh and there was a group of guys that came together that really played for each other mm-hmm. so they took pride in, in in their craft because their craft helped the whole packet you know what I mean so I did. yeah you know, you had your offensive lineman that they took pride. Their motto was, I got to make sure I protect so Perez can throw the ball to Eddie or Perez can throw the ball to Greg Hopkins or mm-hmm. Freddie Gales. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that was their goal. That was what they – and they took pride in that, and they lived for that. You know what I mean? So when you could get a group of guys to come together and, and take that kind of pride in their craft – uh uh the sky is really the limit. Yeah. And and you know another thing too? Did you hear how many games we played? We played twelve games. Yep. And I put up those numbers. Yes. If you look at the rest of the seasons when we went up to more games, it, you know, then then they then record style would be broken. But all that was done in twelve games.
0: Yeah. Which which is just stunning in itself. I mean, you look at who you had. Not only as wide receiver, uh, your your fellow wide receivers. I mean, as uh, I said, the the great Freddie Gales. Uh, you, mm-hmm. know, you had quite a few others too. You know, and, and you're just a rookie. But besides that too, uh, Eddie. I mean, you look at you had Mike Fawcerson on defense. you had you had, yep. had Daryl Hammond, the great Daryl Hammond, Freddie Gales oh my also. One Yeah. Mitch Hammond was one of the best. Mark, yeah. Mark Valvo, I mean... <laughs> Valvo, yeah. All those guys. He just had.
1: Dar- Darryl Hammond was by far the best athlete that I had ever been around. Yeah. Yeah, Dar- Darryl Hammond taught me how to train. I remember watching Darryl Hammond. Darryl Hammond would come. He'll come to football practice. He'll leave practice. He'll go play basketball for about two or three hours. He'll leave that. He'll go play soccer. And then he'll make it home sometime that night right. and he'll do it all again the next day. And you would, n- he would never take a rip off in practice. Dedication. I was like, wow.
0: Dedication. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So with those things right there that was in front of me, that, that, that put me in a situation to be successful mm-hmm. from a Mike Perez sitting down with me, teaching me film, watching some of the great receivers at the time, watching them play, uh, seeing Daryl Hammond, how he trained, how he prepared, how he worked—you know, Freddie Gill teaching me how to run routes—I just had a good nucleus of people around me that uh, put me in a situation to be to be great.
0: Um, obviously, I you, said you're a Flo- you're a Florida kid, but you're coming up to, to Northern New York into uh, a, 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 Albany. It, it is a capital city, but it's you know like like many capital cities, it can be a, a, a small town itself. What was your uh, what was your reaction originally to to the city of Albany when you were there as a rookie?
1: When I was there as a rookie, um, I was just a, I was just a young guy that was just trying to make it. Yeah, that's 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 what it was. And I you know remember after the third game we were in the third we were playing our third game. We was actually playing the Tampa Bay Storm, and uh, my rookie year. And I think I scored. I don't know. I know I scored six touchdowns in that game, six or seven, one or two. But I can remember after the third touchdown, Joe Hennessy, who was our general manager at the time, started saying, touchdown, Eddie Brown. And every time I would score, he would say that. And after that third touchdown, the whole crowd just started chanting Eddie. And I was so amazed that I, I, I felt, that's, that was the night I fell in love with Albany. Nice. The city of Albany. That was the night I fell in love because I felt like I was a kid trying to make it, and they took me under their wing, and they accepted me as their own. And that was my audience to say, "Hey, you're one of us, guy. I know you're from Florida, but you're you are an Albany, New York guy."
0: Yeah. Uh, as I said, that year you went ten and two. Probably, I said one of the be- one of the better teams in Arena Football League history. The game, unfortunately, your playoff, your 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 first ever playoffs, didn't end the way that you wanted to. I remember I was actually at that game in Arizona uh, for the for the semifinal. The the game itself did not, I'm sure, did not end up the way that you wanted to. You you lost to to Arizona uh, uh, to Mm forty to thirty three, in what many, including myself, would say. you know how fans could be Monday morning quarterback, Eddie. I would say that there were, to me, there have been may have been a few issues with uh, certain portions of this game where I felt that the <laughs> that the Firebirds, the game was taken away from the Firebirds. For yourself, how how did it feel? Obviously, being in your first playoff uh, playoff run, but uh, h- how did you feel how that last game versus Arizona ended for you in '94?
1: Well, I think I think lo- losing for me, period, is is, is you know a, a very detrimental thing for me. Like, <laughs> you know, like you know, losing it, it, it takes me at a place where I go to question everything that I do and wonder if I did, did enough. So it really uh, it was not a good feeling. But after we got over the hurt of that feeling. We all sat down and, and came up with a plan on what we needed to do to get ourselves back in that situation the following year to get better and get over that hump. So we kind of just all just challenged each other. But it was such an awful feeling. And to only score 33 points, yeah. that's awful. Yeah. But we were going against, you know, you look at us. I was a rookie. You had Cedric Bonner over there. Uh, the great Sergio Barney, you had the great Danny White, coach. Uh, you had the great Hunky Cooper. You had some. You had a, a, a young team that was on the rise, playing against a veteran, established team that had been there before. So they knew how to weather the storms and how to get through the peaks and valleys. Where we were learning how to do it because we had never faced peaks and valleys uh or weathered the storm. We didn't right. we didn't know how to do that because we didn't we didn't experience it much for ten and two. Right. You know, one of those losses was to the Orlando Predators. Yep. You know what I mean? I can tell you that. You know what I mean? So our loss were to the experienced teams that knew how to weather the storm and knew how to get through it and knew what would come. And and I think that was a difference in that game.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, uh, before we get to your postseason accolades in your in your rookie season, uh, you know, Alb- Albany, uh, ha- is very well known for their fans, their fan base, and even though the at the time the Knickerbocker Arena, uh, uh you know, even though it is a smaller arena, you know, only holds maximum about thirteen thousand people, um, that place can get absolutely you know it it, it it's loud. That place can just get loud. What was your first reaction? Uh, as a player, when you first heard how loud that that arena could get and how much it it became a uh sort of like another defense for you guys uh during the game
1: well it was it was something that we lived for it was it was the motivation it was the you know it was the community, all of us together that you wanted to do things to get that crowd excited, get them going because you knew once you got them going, they were going to scream and yell all night. You know, and it was like, okay, I, I need to do something to get the crowd in. I need to score. I need to make a big catch mm-hmm. to get everything going, to get everyone going. So it was one of those things like that. But once they got going, man, you talking about the best crowd in the world. There's no place like Albany would be in the best crowd because when you can take 13,000 people and they can sound like 80,000, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. And they did that game by game, year by year. uh it became, you know, a part of Albany, you know, and it kills me today that they don't have a team and they have not had, you know, the longevity of having a team as long as we were there with the Firebirds.
0: That's true. Yeah. Uh And, you and, know and what I mean? Mean, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to be making a general question here about your entire career. Was there any p- one point in your career, Eddie, and I, and I know player football players can be very s- you know game centered during the during the game itself, and not you know don't usually doesn't don't let many things get into their head during the game, but was there at any point at any point during your career where you just stopped and listened and said to yourself, man, it's loud
1: that was every game like <laughs> it was every game but if if it was a moment that it wouldn't that it wasn't like that, yeah, I was that guy that would stand up and go in the middle of the field and get the crowd up or I would score a touchdown and just run in the stands and do something to get them going. Like, if they were not screaming and yelling and loud like that, yeah. either we were getting a heck beat out of us or those wasn't our fans. Yeah. That was a group of people that had come in and they were acting like they were Firebird fans. Right, but right. Firebird fans, they party hard for the block party. They come in. They party hard, and they scream, and they root for their team.
0: Um, and, uh, you know, rookie year, uh, you are named the league's most valuable player. I mean, your mm-hmm. stats basically proved why you were the MVP of that season. What was it like when you were told that you were going to be, or, or once you were named uh, the MVP?
1: Uh, it was, you know, it was more or less, it was it was, it was such, it was a great feeling uh, because I felt like my work, I was rewarded for the work and the dedication that I have put in my teammates have put in my coaches have put in, uh, but for some odd reason, they were giving me this big trophy. Right. You know what I mean? But it was, it was such an accomplishment because you got to look at it. I got, I got cut from the Arizona Cardinals 92, uh, went back to school. So you're looking at two years and now two years later, I'm being recognized as one of the best players. Uh, so that was that was a great accomplishment because not too many guys can bounce back from being cut from a team and bounce back and end up being the best in a different league. Right. So for me, it was it was it was a great moment, but then it was also a standard that was set. So now it was time to get back to work to come back the next year and continue with that effort because that what was was expected from my coaches for my
0: teammates, and for my fans. Right. So, uh In 95, I mean, you guys, I mean, it kind of, I guess you could say it was a letdown considering how, how well you guys did it the previous year. You only went the 75 in 95. And also for you, too, that unfortunately your your production was down slightly versus your, your MVP year in 94. Well, what do you think, um, Eddie, led to that specifically for, for your uh for your reduction in, in stats ninety four versus
1: ninety five? I had got hurt. I was playing I was I was actually playing on one leg. Uh my I had a, a really bad I had a high ankle sprain. Okay. That I I just played through and, and did my best. So the production was down because, you know, everyone was looking for me to be that guy and I had got hurt. So I was just playing through I was actually out there playing on one leg. Okay. Uh so that's why the production was down. Uh, so you know, I had to get back to myself, and I did that, that that next year in '96. But '95, I had got hurt.
0: Were you hurt for most of the season, Eddie, or did, it, or did it did it happen during during the season itself? It
1: happened during the season, but I was too bullheaded to sit out and not play. Okay. You okay. know, so I was actually out there on one leg when I shouldn't have been out there. But you know. I gave you two legs, you find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was out there giving my best, you know what I mean? But I wasn't at my best. But right. me being out there it gave our team confidence that they could that, that we can win, even though they knew I was not 100%.
0: Right. Now, obviously, even though you were hurt, it did also help that uh, Fred, you know, the other great Freddie Gales was there to help. Uh, right. Uh, to uh, to. To lessen some of the slack itself. And same thing with and Willie Culpepper. Uh, Albany fans yes. will know that name very well. Willie Culpepper also. Um he was able to help with the uh, with it also. I mean, and also the same thing right. too. Mike Perez, Fred the great yeah. Fred McNair. Um yeah. I mean and and even the great Eddie Brown gets a touch two touchdown passes that year.
1: <laughs> right. <Ain't> there, <laughs> we did what we had to do to try to find a way to win, you know, we knew we wouldn't. You know, we was not clicking on all cylinders and we were not full speed, but we, we made do with what we have and, and we showed up and we we remained competitive, uh, but just was we, we not, you know, at our best.
0: Right, right.
1: And I take full responsibility for it. I think it was just me.
0: Uh, I think I if I'd have
1: been at my best, we would have, the results would have been much better. Uh,
0: were you. Uh- you said you were you were a little hard headed when it came to only wanting to play. You know, you, you wanted to play, and you were a gamer. You wanted to play. Uh, how much? I mean, it, it sounds like no matter how much convincing from the coaching staff, from the doctors, they they wanted you to. I did. They wanted you to sit an X amount of games, but you were just like, no, I want to play and help the team.
1: Yeah, I didn't listen to them. It was yeah. uh, my guy, and I and I love my guy. When I when we went to Indianapolis. He was on the only doctor I listened to. So if I if I had any pain, he would fly uh, to Indianapolis to, to look at me because he was the guy that I trusted. Doc okay. Morada. Uh, doc Morata, doc Morata he, uh, God bless the dead. Uh, great guy. Love him to death. Uh, but he was my doctor. And uh, he was trying to convince me to rest. And uh, I was like, no, nah, Doc, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't listen to him. And he's my guy. Yeah. But after that, I listened to him moving forward. Uh, because I, I, I trusted him to realize he only had my best interest at heart. Right.
3: right. You know what I mean? But, yeah, he,
1: he advised me numerous times to, you know, I shouldn't be out there playing. But, you know, I was hard-headed. You know, mm-hmm. I was young. I was stupid. So you couldn't tell me I couldn't play football.
3: Okay. You know,
1: I had some choice words for you. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it was probably the only argument me and Doc Morale ever got into. Yeah.
0: Because
1: he was telling me I shouldn't play, and I was – calling him names except the Son of God, all the names except the Son of God.
0: Yeah, okay. So
1: that's how that went.
0: Okay. So as you mentioned, you did rebound in, in, in not only yourself, but also the team in 96. I mean, 10-4. and four. For the first time in, in – uh, for the first time, Albany drops 80 on a, on an opponent. Not once. Mm-hmm. Not twice, but three times in 1996. I mean <laughs> – this, this Albany team was just a scoring machine. Also that right. year, you guys set a, a team record for uh largest win in franchise history where you guys totally annihilated the Texas Terror 86-24. I remember I was there. Um, <laughs> um mm-hmm. you guys were able to make such a, a change, obviously, with you with you being healthy again. And also and some additions man to your, not only to your quarterbacks but also to the team itself, you guys were able to to make that change what why was why was this Albany team so dominant in 1996?
1: it was you know we, we felt like we had an awful season in 95 and uh you know we we wanted to come out and and you know pool ourselves again you know we wanted to show that we were still you know, on the map. We were still that team. And and we felt like in 95, we were disrespected.
3: Right.
1: Uh, We weren't, you know, we were not considered to be elite to compete with the Arizona Rattlers, Timber Bay Storm, uh, Barry Wagner, and the Orlando Predators. You know, we felt, you know, we felt that we were not being considered and in those talks anymore. So we wanted to make sure we sent out a message that we are back and we're back to stay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 that was our message going into every game. Let's prove the naysayers wrong. Let's prove that you know we are we are a good team, and and that was our goal. Um,
0: as, again, your your stats exploded again. I mean, yeah, you set a, a career record uh, for receptions in a season at 113. You had six 185 yards, 41 TDs receiving. Um, but again, Eddie, it seems that for whatever reason. The semifinals are coming back to bite you guys in the butt. But it also started off, even though they were in the even though they were in the league for a short period of time while you were there, the uh, the rivalry
1: Iowa-
0: yeah, between you and the Iowa Barnstormers just started. No matter who won those games, because obviously Iowa didn't win most of the games while you were there, but those games were the games that people wanted to see. Why was the Iowa-Albany rivalry one of the best?
1: Because it featured two of the best players to ever play the arena football game. And it was Kurt Warner and myself and with our supporting cast and everyone we had around us. Uh, you know, you had Mike Palowski at the time, one mm-hmm. to prove that he was the best quarterback in the league. Kurt Warner, you know, we all know what Kurt Warner has gone on to do. Yep. But, you know, he was establishing himself. So it it was a lot, you know, when we all face each other. It was a lot on the line outside of just football. Mm-hmm. You know, when you want to be the best, when you play the best, you want to show that you're the best. Then mm-hmm. you want to be the best. And uh, we would play them to the max.
0: And it was a great rivalry. I mean, I think if I remember yeah. correctly, a lot of them were were, were like three-point games. And that's how close yeah. that. This rival, you know, it's not a natural rival, but, I mean, it is a rival a rivalry itself where if it was on TNN, people had to watch the game. They had to watch the yeah, game. Yeah,
1: you had to because it came down to who had the ball last. Yeah. It, it always came down to who had the ball last. And for some odd reason, the barnstormers find a way to get that ball back to Kurt Warner. And, uh, you know, Kurt did what he's always done. <laughs> uh, you know, if we would have got the ball last, we would have did what we do. Yeah. Uh, but that—that's how that's how that's how, the, that's how it failed. Uh, oh, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that was another MVP year for me, wasn't
0: it? Uh, you got offensive player of the year that year. Yeah. Offensive player. Of the year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sure. they—they yeah, they changed year. it. The, yeah, they changed it from the MVP to the offensive player of the year that year. That's correct. Right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I know that. Also, and you had uh, even though your postseason. Uh your postseason ended not you know the way you didn't want it to. Some different for you, 95 and 96. You know, the league itself started doing these uh, European exhibition games in 89 and it would go from different places all around Europe. In 95 and 96, the Albany Firebirds for the first time, uh with yourself on the team, it, you they they went over and they played in uh Spain if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, we did
0: and you played in Paris in 1996. Um what was your what was your reaction when you first heard that you were going to go and promote the game of arena football in Europe? I was like that's that's awesome.
1: I mean I think when you when you were when you were a young kid growing up and you know you you set your goal to uh, be an athlete and and go to college and play, play try to play professional sports to be it, one, one part of that you think about is you put yourself in a situation to actually travel around the world and to actually be able to go outside of your country and interact with others and introduce them to the game, you know, well, that you truly love, you know, and as an American, you want to show them the passion and the determination and the will that you put into your craft. You know, I I felt honored, you know what I mean? to, To do that. And I was also accomplishing, goals I had set for myself to be able to travel around the world. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed it. I had a, it it was a great experience. And, uh, I would say to anyone who can have that experience, take advantage of it because there's a lot of life lessons you learn when you go and visit other countries, uh, and to be able to go to another country and teach them your sport and your craft, you know, you have to do it the right way. Right. You know, so the preparation and everything has to be right because they don't know and they're watching you. So you have to put on that to not re- not only represent our sport but also to represent our country as well. So it was, that, was, that was huge for me to go over there and do that and play well. And you know, that was that was awesome.
0: Did you did you take it seriously like a regular season game, Eddie, or is it or yeah. or was it slightly different being that you're playing you're not playing it on a home field? You're playing in a di- in a foreign country, or or I mean, as I said, did, did you play like a, like you normally would, or did it it was it slightly slightly different?
1: Any time I put on that uniform, sir, mm-hmm. I gave a hundred percent. I don't know how to not play hard. Right. I don't know what that is. If mm-hmm. if if you give me the uniform and you say we're playing a game, if you give me the uniform and you say we have to practice, I'm going hard. I don't know no other way. Right. So I don't. I know hundred percent. I know when. Right. I don't know anything else outside of that.
0: Okay. Um I, what I thought was interesting too, your your game in nineteen ninety five when you guys went up against the Milwaukee Mustangs, you also played for the very first time versus a a a a young guy who who will who will make a name for himself in the arena football league as the quarterback and later on as a head coach. And a guy who played his very first arena league game in an exhibition, you played up against Clint Dozell.
1: Uh, yeah, old Clint. Yeah, great Clint. And if you see the development from Clint from that point to where he is now, yeah. it, it, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, we played those guys, and he had Gary Compton with him, the great Gary Compton, player receiver for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some really good games. We had Michael James, one of the best DBs to play. He was on that team. Uh, we had some good games with him, but we— We found a way to pretty much beat the heck out of them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Again, in '96, you got to play in Paris. Were you guys? You know, usually when the Americans come over and play in Europe, you know, whether it be in NBA or whether it be, you know, later on, it was the, uh, uh, was the NFL. Did they treat you guys like rock stars? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You you treated well. Yeah, you get treated well. You eat well. You stay in the best hotels. Uh, We got treated well. Yeah. yeah, we got treated well. And, and you know, I, I think it's such a, you know, I think it's such a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, things may not be that way right now. Right. You know what I mean? But back then, you can go to a different country, you can do different things, and everything can be okay. Um, you know what I mean?
0: I do. I do. Uh, what's the one thing that you're going to remember the most? Uh, uh, whether it be a story of something that that happened or, or something that happened to you personally, what's the thing that you're going to remember the most from these exhibition games over in Europe?
1: The fans. How they were, you know, some of the fans were more excited about the game than I was. (laughs) I meant their enthusiasm for the game, just their enthusiasm to learn, their excitement to try to understand what was going on. And you also got to consider and, and, and add to it as well where there was a language barrier. Yep. You know what I mean? So you got to put all those things together and understand how passionate they were mm-hmm. just to come and learn and understand what was going on. So with me, it was more or less a motivation to, like, you got to match their passion and you got to take that passion to another level. Mm-hmm. If you can take that passion to another level, they're going to truly respect and want to be part of this game. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I think that's what ended up happening because I think uh, – as the years went on I think others still uh, went, and, uh, went over there and played
0: yeah and if and uh, if I've heard and you can probably tell me for sure is it true if they say because Paris was one of the most um, uh, popular spots when it came to the European exhibitions Eddie it, is it true that the that the arena in Paris where you guys played was, was, was really loud yeah
1: Paris was really loud uh, Zaragoza was really loud mm-hmm they They understood what was going on, okay, and they were very fiery yeah that's, they were and and that's what I mean when I was saying the passion right. you saw the passion in the fans, and it was like you know they were serious about it, so you couldn't get out there and not give them a hundred percent and and be truly committed to what 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 you're out there doing. You could't do that because you, you know if you're a professional, you had to at least match their intensity
3: right. Right. You know, they
1: beat you there. When the doors opened, they were running in there. Like 2 hours before the game. We in ups and it's a packed crowd. They're screaming, they're yelling, they're excited. Just that passion.
0: Yeah. Uh 97 wasn't the wasn't the best for you as as a team. You only went 6 and 8. Didn't make the playoffs that year. But you you yourself you still had a very good year. I mean, 135 receptions, 650 uh, sorry, mm-hmm. 1650 yards. One of the biggest changes, though, for you was at quarterback. You you lost Mike yeah. Perez. He went over and started to play for the New York City Hawks. But you had a guy who probably would be your, a lot of fans will remember as, uh, you know, if you were to talk about um, duos, quarterback to wide receiver duos, you and Mike Pulowski are right up there as some of the best in Arena Football League history. How easy was it getting used to be, uh, to having Mike Pulowski as your starting quarterback?
1: You know, it's, 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 uh, it, was, it was easy because you had two perfectionists that met each other and wanted to be great and wanted to do everything perfect. I didn't say right. They wanted to do everything perfect. So he helped my game go to another level. I helped his game go to another level because we both were uh, perfectionists. We were perfectionists in practice. We were perfectionists in meeting room watching film, preparation. Everything we did, we were were seeking to be perfect. And I think he matched my intensity with that and took it to another level. And I think I matched his intensity and took it to another level. So I think those two things there, you know, that made the transformation easy, but then we were able to continue to grow because that's the tone we set. And then we had some other aspects I think uh Chad Dukes came aboard that's right yep. uh Chad Dukes came aboard so he was able to add some different aspects to the game that we we felt we were lacking that we could get better at uh Chad uh started taking the kickoff returns and taking the ball off the net so now we're talking about a six 225 pound guy that runs a four five you know that now you got to tackle him from running the you know, running running the kickoffs back. Hmm. So we added that threat uh to what we were doing. Uh also defensively he was pretty good. Uh I think Derek Stingley came aboard. Uh, so we added that which was, you know, speed, uh Evan uh came aboard. Uh McLeod came aboard. Uh we had uh a, a guy we called roll runner, His name was David Patton.
0: Okay, yep, I remember
1: Uh-oh. David Patton, we called him Roadrunner. He ended up playing with us for a year and ended up uh, signing with the New England Patriots and playing in the Super Bowl uh, year, uh, two years later. Right. Uh, but we just added so much speed and we became better defensively, uh, up front, in the secondary. We just improved and really uh, got away from we're going to outscore you. Mm-hmm. We don't care if you score. We're just gonna score more points than you do. We just kinda of hold changed our whole philosophy. Uh defense stepped it up. Uh was stingingly leading the uh secondary and uh we, we just grew. Different mentality, different mentality. It wasn't all you know, we were gonna score, but we also was gonna stop you from scoring when that wasn't something we really cared about. We were gonna score more than you scored and we didn't care how many you scored. If you scored seventy we was gonna go score seventy five. Right. it didn't
0: matter. Do you do you think, based off what they saw with the with the Firebirds have done over the last you know two out of three years, that the league came up to your level? As I said, it wasn't a, the best year wins and loss wise, but do you think the, the league came up to your level and, and started to really compete?
1: I think so. I think so because if you look at it uh, prior to that, you know the league came up to our level. Uh, NFL owners start coming and in, investing in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on ABC TV contracts, doing different things. So it was it was really going up, and I think the scoring uh, and everything else uh, started getting better. Also, if you look at the coaches at that time that were coaching, and you look at where they are now, that also give you an idea of what was going on as well. Right. Uh, Sean Payton was one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Gruden was one of the players. Uh, what's my guy for the Dallas Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys, number one scout guy, came from the Arena League. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that.
0: No, I did not know that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, Dallas. Cow- the Dallas Cowboys, I forgot his name, but he's their head scout right now. He, he's Jerry Jones' right-hand man. That Will he McClay. He started with us in the Will McClay, exactly. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Will McClay, yeah. you know, you look at those those guys there, you know, and look at where they are now. So it just gives you an idea of the level, right? You know what I mean? That yeah. it was going to, and I think us scoring like we did, it kind of gave it um, credibility.
0: Okay, how was it? Also, I said not only do you have a new starting uh, starting quarterback that year, but you also have a new head coach. Uh, Mike Daly comes in and is now the the guy uh, that everybody calls head coach. Um, I, I obviously I know Coach Daly had been with the team for quite a few years. He'd been there with Coach Ho and C also since you'd be, since you had been with the team. Uh, any differences between the the style between Coach Ho and C and Coach Daly?
1: Um, uh, Coach Daly, Coach Daly, made emphasized the little thing, You know what I mean? The strategic mm-hmm. part of it, because if you look at during that time, you know you had two way players, you had different substitution rules. Uh, that are not, that are, that they don't follow right now. Like everybody played two ways. Right. So Coach Daly emphasized the little things and how we were going to do this and do that to allow our best guys to be in. Because at that time, if you started on offense and you came out of the game when the team went on defense. Right. You couldn't go back in until that next quarter. You know what I'm saying? It was a substitution.
0: I oh, I remember. I so, remember the, the old Ironman rules. I remember quite well. The, I, yeah. Daly was the best in the
1: business at that. So Daly was the guy, well, you know what? We win to toss. We need to defer because we need to start on defense to keep our best guys in. You know, he had a philosophy behind all that, but I, that, that was the difference. Those little things that he emphasized and that he taught us that were important. Prior to that, we, what was important is, we're gonna score eighty points. You're gonna score seventy.
0: Okay. So, what was it? Was it hard getting used to uh, as Coach Daly as your as your head coach? I mean, as you say. no, nah, because
1: he had already been there. No, he. It wasn't okay. hard getting to him. Yeah. But he taught you the strategic part of what was going on. Okay. We didn't know the strategic part prior to that. Okay. We just know to go out and score. He he showed us. Okay. We're gonna do this because of this. We're gonna do that because of that. This, mm-hmm. These are the reasons why we're doing this. So it was more, everything was more detailed and was more broken down. Every aspect, there was a reason why we were doing this, and we were taught that. Okay. So we understood
0: it. All right. You guys did uh, rebound, which seems to be the thing. One go, one under, one year under five hundred. The next year above five hundred. Uh, in '98, you guys were ten and four. Um, y- yourself again. Uh, it's, I think you set you said a league, uh, I mean, 120 receptions that year, um, 1,673 yards. I mean, almost right at your, your career high. Um, the, the team itself, you know, did well. I mean, as you said, Chad Dukes, was a monster, uh, somebody else who made it started to make a name for himself and considering that even though you seem to be the, the, the guy that everybody was trying to cover and they weren't able to do so, Greg Hopkins, Hoppy, Actually stepped up, and he yeah. was your he was your number two that year, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yes. Greg Hobbs, big time player. He uh, awesome guy. Uh, he was our number two receiver. Also played well defensively. You know, just a very solid uh, two way player. Very solid. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the most athletic guy he ever met, but he did everything well.
0: Yeah, and uh, guys, uh, it's uh, uh, ten and four uh unfortunately uh, you know it's it this seemed to be this seemed to be that the what i guess what some people felt was the the craw when it came to the to the name of the albany or Farbridge, you just couldn't get anywhere in the playoffs i mean you're knocked off by new jersey by seven at home which obviously we know is not losing at home is not the best thing in the world because you're, you're in front of your fans you want to be able to, to beat them but um it's again as a player eddie were you getting frustrated that you weren't able to get past that certain level and, and to, to make it to the Arena Bowl through 98?
1: Yeah, I was wondering, you know, I was wondering how long it was going to go before uh, they decided to break up, break us up. Uh, just a lot of things were going through, through my mind, you know, were we good enough, you know, just all the thoughts that you go through when you fall short of anything that you set out to be the best to do. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a lot of questioning, looking at yourself in the mirror, trying to figure out, you know, are you 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 know, are you good enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was the question. I mean, are we good enough? Like, am I good enough? Am I not, you know, doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was that frustration. Uh, but, you know, Coach Daly kept us together and, you know, always had something to motivate us and to not let us get down on ourselves, you know, and, and, and not helped. That put us over. Uh, you know, different pieces of the puzzle was coming together and, uh, you know, different, you know, different, you know, chess moves were being made, personnel moves, and uh, we finally got there.
2: So glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise. Yeah, gladly. You know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merged from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh... Shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't.
0: The Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honoring selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash Fame to join in 1999, the Albany Firebirds. They, uh, I mean, one of the. Uh, uh, I think they matched three other teams for the best record in the league at 11 and three. Um, this was a season. If anybody who you know had been a, an Albany Firebirds fan since they first came to the league, uh, things finally paid off. Not only for you as a team, but also for the fans itself. Um, I mean, that year you set you set career records. I mean, 138 receptions, 858 yards receiving, and and 45 touchdowns. Uh, you guys were a, a scoring machine, and again, it wasn't just yourself. You know, Greg Hopkins. Uh, and for, the, for those who don't remember Van Johnson, he was also a, a big integral part when it came to the wide receiver core that year. Um, uh, you talked about also. Um, it, it, you just, you guys got had everything that you needed to do. You you really did. I mean, as I said, uh, eleven and three on the year. When you first started off in '99, Eddie, what was the thing that? And obviously, certain head coaches will say certain things at the beginning of the year. Say that you know they they will have a, a, a have a saying or something like that. When you guys first started before the preseason, what's the one thing that Coach Daly told you guys that you needed to remember for this 1999 season?
1: That yeah, we were good enough to be champions. That was it. He made us believe we were good enough to be champions. And that's how everyone prepared. Uh, and, and that's how we were posted all, all all that year. We were good enough to be champions. Through the loss that we had, the loss that we had, we, he, he still made us believe that we were going to get through it, we were going to get it done. Uh, and, and we believed him. And we just kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting, and it happened.
0: Now in the in the playoffs, you guys got a little bit of a scare in the very first f- very first week. Grand Rapids played you guys quite tough. You guys finally ended up beating them by ten points. But um, you know how, w- considering how well that the, the regular season was, and going into that first playoff game, did did they guy did, did did the rampage come at you guys? Uh, and, and did they did they scare you? Considering that you only beat them by ten points, did you uh, did no. you? Did you feel, did you that, kind of kind of under, did you look past them at any point?
1: I don't think we looked past them. I think we weren't sure of what we were trying to do because I think the previous year we got beat by New Jersey at right. home in the first round. That's right. So we were, you know, basically back at that point, like, okay, this going to happen again, or that's going to happen again, or okay. Or that, that. So it was, it was more, we was like one foot here and one foot there and had that line in the middle you know, not sure if it was going to go this way or not sure it was going to go that way. And the ball finally fell. We felt like the ball finally fell in our court. So we was able to get over that hump. Uh, And then there were some other things that went down because I think at that time we were like the number three team. We were not the top-seeded team. Right. And uh, I think a few of the teams ahead of us lost. So that made us the number one team. So now the Arena Bowl came to Albany. So now once that, once we realized that was what was at stake in the semifinal game, all the ifs, ands, and buts that we had prior, it really just went out of the window. Yeah, And you can see it. You can see it and hear it when you walked in the locker room for the game.
0: And, and you can see, too, because Arizona had been kind of a nemesis before in a couple years back where they beat you in the semifinal. You guys left mm-hmm. no doubt this day. You absolutely right. you massacred. And took them apart. Right. I mean, you, you, right. you knocked off uh, knocked off Arizona 73-47 to advance to your very first Arena Bowl. Arena Bowl. Your very first right. championship. Now, prior right. to this, Eddie, had you as a kid playing football, had you ever been in a championship game before?
1: Oh, in middle school, all, all uh, and I played for Northwest Boys Club and Pop Warner. We okay. played for the championship every year. Okay, but I hadn't experienced it since then. And then was able to experience get ready to experience it then. So it was like, you know, it was it was different.
0: What was it what was it like for you guys in the locker room after you you fi- you clinched the game, you know you're gonna go to Arena Bowl thirteen, you're gonna be playing Orlando. What was what did Coach Daly tell you guys in the locker room after after the after beating Arizona?
1: It ain't over. We came here to be champions. So if you settle if you happy because we just won that game you're in the wrong place. We started off this saying that we are good enough to be champions. And right now, winning that game, we are not champions. That, that's that what he said. And everybody kind of like looked like Korea. So as soon as that game was over, that game was over. We shifted to the big, bad Orlando Predators, mm-hmm. Barry Wagner, Damian Mason, and uh, Kenny McIntyre, the glove. You know, those guys are coming to town.
0: What was what was the week like prior to uh, the week of Arena Bowl? I mean, uh, uh were were practices any different? Um were were players, were your teammates talking certain ways or stuff like that or or were you guys focused on on what the what the end goal should be? No,
1: I think within the, I, the focus was so locked in. I think one day we were doing our warm up and I ended up dropping a couple of passes and I can remember Corny White like and and Jay Jones like ripping into me like I don't know what's going on, but you need to figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They you know they didn't say those exact words, but that's <laughs> what they meant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Basically, you know, it was it was it was everyone making sure everyone was accountable and being held accountable for what they brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew we was gonna win that game. Because I pick up, I, I would always pick up Evan, Derek Stingley, and Jay Jones. I would always pick them up, and we would come to the game together. And I can remember picking them up, and when they got in the car, they didn't say a word. They didn't say hi. They didn't say a word, and I was like, "Oh wow," you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the whole drive from our place to the arena, you know, you can hear rat piss on cotton in the in the car. <laughs> it was just. It was, it was that quiet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just focused. And from when we got there, from walking in, it was like those guys never said a word. I never heard them guys speak until we got ready to come out of the tunnel for the game, doing warm ups. They didn't say a word. You know, it it was just that that electric. That I was like, oh my god.
0: Mm-hmm. And then and then you get there. Thirteen thousand six hundred fifty two people announced attendance at at the Arena Bowl. You're on, you know, you're on national television, and and Orlando, even though they were the eighth seed, they put up yeah. one, they put up one heck of a fight, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they were they were a good team, very experienced, very good team. Carnell hmm. uh they had they had a really good team. Damian Mason, Barry Wagner was still playing great. Uh, they were they, you know, they were a good team. I think uh, Coach Moss, Coach Moss was, you know. Coach Marshall's a strategic guy, very similar with Coach Daly. Mm-hmm. They were they were very they always emphasized the little things that made their teams great. And they were eighth. They were the ones that was knocking different teams off that allowed us to move up. You know what I mean? I think their first their first game, they knocked off the number one team, who I forgot was at that time, might have been Tampa. But they beat them, and then we moved up, and then they knocked off someone else, and. We won. We beat Arizona, and that's what gave us the Arena Bowl. Uh, but it was Orlando. They were playing great football, uh, and it was probably one of the—I uh, would say it was probably one of the best, one of the best games ever. You ask me. Uh,
0: big time game. Game being broadcast on ABC. As I said, the you know the you guys didn't pull ahead really until the fourth qu- uh, until midway through the third quarter. That's when it's it started going for you. Um, you know, you, you finished the game with 12 receptions for 185 yards and four touchdowns. And obviously the most important thing, Eddie, is you came away with your first ever arena football championship. Nobody can ever take it away from you, Eddie, and say, you know, because you will always be Arena Bowl 13 champs. What was, the, oh. uh, what, what was it like in the locker room after the game with the, with the Foster Trophy? And I can only imagine what was going on in that locker room after the game.
1: Oh, champagne everywhere, it was cigars. It was just like, we did it. We started off and said we were good enough to be champions, and we are now world champions. We are literally now world champions. We did it. You know what I mean? And and that was the feeling. It was it was just such a great feeling. Like, such a great feeling. Such a great feeling because, you know, if you go back and you look at the nucleus of that group, you go back to 94, you look at the nucleus of that group. A lot of those guys are still there, right? You know what I mean. We just added some different pieces, but it was still quite a few of us still together. So, remembering those times, remembering getting knocked off the first round the year before, uh, with a with a new with a new newly team, and then coming back, you know, not you know focusing on us falling short just continue to grow and get better and actually winning it. Right. You know, so it was, it was, you know, it was, you know, change had come, mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
0: um, I'll ask you this first before we head on to uh, onto the off season in 99, because there were some pretty big changes that happened within the Arena Football League, and I want to know yeah. what your thoughts on them. But we'll go forward just real quickly to, uh, to the off season. I'm guessing maybe the beginning of the 2000 season. I've seen them online, Eddie. I know what the championship rings look like. What What were your feelings when you first saw, and you first held, and you first put on your championship ring?
1: Sure. This This is something I've always worked for, and always something I've always wanted. And actually, actually, get it like it was. It was surreal. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God! I, 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 you know, you only you only get in the in, in the in the in the parks and you play, and you always. Think about it. you making that big catch, you making that big play, you know, you you, you you only dream of those things, but to actually have it happen and to do it and you get the ring that comes with it and actually put it on your finger and open it up out of the case, it was like, you know, it was surreal.
0: And it was a gorgeous ring too, I will admit. <laughs> oh, I still have it. Oh, I would hope so. Now, my yeah. question, my question to you is, how often do you wear it?
1: I don't I it it's uh, it's in the trophy case. I don't okay. I haven't put it on and I can't tell you the last time I put it on. It's in the trophy case.
0: So you you actually cuz I I don't remember seeing it on so you didn't think just for a second maybe to bring it out and wear it at the at the uh, at the arena ball this past year?
1: <laughs> no. I didn't think to do that, you know, like I have a different mentality. Like I was going there I wanted to support, you know, I wanted to support the Albany Firebirds. I didn't want it to be about me. Right. So I think, it, you know, so I was kind of like very, you know, I didn't want to do anything flashy to bring attention to me that would take away from the players and what they were getting ready to experience. So I wanted to take like a low-key, you know, profile. Right. So I wouldn't wear, you know, I wouldn't wear nothing, you know. I would be very, you know, laid back.
0: So those who who have, who are lucky enough to to be to go to be in your home for the very first time, how many times have you been asked about that ring? And and how long did your how long did your story go about telling you about telling them how you got that ring?
1: <laughs> it took a long time to get it, but to, ex- to talk about it, I mean, you know, you you could never talk about it enough because right. it's a moment that no one can ever take away from. It's a moment that you always remember. So you can never talk about it enough, uh but you know it was more or less the preparation you know we talked more about the preparation. I talked a lot with uh Jones I talked a lot lot with him about it, you know, the preparation for the week, you know, different things, he would ask me different questions, you know, and i would I would answer those questions you know he it was it was questions about preparation leading up to the Arena bowl. do you prepare differently? Okay. You know, do you do anything differently? No, you don't do anything differently. Do all the things that got you there, mm-hmm. but you make sure you dot all your I's and cross all your t's. Right. You know, so it was one of those deals.
0: So, uh, off season in '99, beginning of 2000, um, it, it, there was a there there was a, something that occurred for the very first time in league history, which for for you at least, where there was the possibility of the season not being played in the year 2000. Because of the—it uh, was originally because of what occurred with uh, James Guidry and him getting hurt and then the, you know, the, uh, the lawsuit like that was brought the forth. The collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the lawsuit that was brought forth and then the collective bargaining agreement that came out of it. Um, what was—if you don't mind me asking, Eddie, what what was your thought when it came to— being i guess you were unionized for the very first time free agency was going to be a thing from now on what was your what was your thoughts as a as as a player cuz I, I i again i don't know if you know if you if you ever thought of joining the the players association if you're a, a union type of guy what what were your thoughts going into that uh, into that 2000 season
1: i i i thought it was i thought it was something that was overdue uh because i sat and i watched a lot of guys get hurt and not all of their things were taken care of, and there was nothing in place to protect those guys. And I saw a lot of guys on different teams uh, that that you know, a lot of things happened to them, and there was nothing there for them to take get taken care of. And right. once they got taken care of, and they got cleared by the doctor, you know, no one wanted to give them a chance to play football again. Right. So now they were back; they were jobless. You know what I mean? With no support or anything, it was like, okay, thank you. You know, I appreciate everything you did for us, uh, but you can't help us no more, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you some other time. Right. So I think just unionizing and, and getting a union and, and, and doing the things that were going on then, I think it just strengthens the players and kind of gave security to the players as well as their families. Uh, and and I, thought, I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good thing. But it ended up, you know, you know, all of a sudden now to leave holding, you got know, bankruptcy, you got oh well we're not gonna play the season. You know, all those business political games that, you know, at that time I was not, you know, into the political thing I was into. I wanted to play football. Right. You know, I know I didn't I wasn't into that part of it, but I had to try to learn the best I can because those guys needed me to be on their side to get things to go through because if I didn't fight with them and right. the owners would be like, you know, okay, we'll take care of Eddie, but screw the rest of the guys. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with that.
0: At, at any point, Eddie, were you asked to be a player rep for the Firebirds or did it, was that something you did not want to do?
1: That was something that I I had to do. Okay. I, I, I had to do it because at that time I was the best player and, you know, I had to do it. I, I you know, I didn't want to do it because my mentality but I just had to do it, you know, just, you know, all my guys, all the guys in the lead and on the team, you know, they really thought it was very important. They felt like if I didn't do it, the owners wouldn't have taken us seriously. Right. So I, I it was a situation where it was just I had to do it. Whether I agree with it or disagree with it, I had to do it. Right. Because it, it, was, it was important to that other guy that, you know, need health insurance for his family. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, he was a little man on the total pole. He was just establishing himself, you know, I had I had to make that fight for him. If I wasn't there, that fight was not gonna happen.
0: Right. So did it uh, did it surprise you that the league folded the way they did? And obviously it wasn't yeah. for that long it wasn't for that long though. I mean they almost reversed their decision. You know, it was less than less than a month later they decided that, oh yeah, we're gonna go ahead and we're and gonna that- play again. And that was the political stuff that, you know, those were the, the political games, you know? Yeah. And, you
1: know, at that time I was young and, you know, I didn't have time for those games. I had time to play football. Right. You know, I didn't understand the business aspect of it. Right. You know what I mean? I do. I was just that kid from Miami that was just glad to play football, just won the championship, you know, doing well for myself, you know? Mm. So that that was my focus. So I didn't, I wasn't with the political games and stuff like that, so I didn't I didn't take that too well, you know. Um, I felt like you know it was a game,
0: right? Um, now this is a question that I I want to ask you because th- there seemed to be the, the thing that, that fans seem to remember the most, especially about the off season, besides the league folding and then coming back less than you know less than a month later, was the you know what led up to that? You know there was a, a trade. Uh, you know um, uh, Barry Wagner was traded to the to the uh, New Jersey Red Dogs, and that was, you know, that was the what some may see as a catalyst towards what what happened later on with the new collective bargaining agreement. When the CBA was finally signed, and you knew what you were going to be getting, and free agency became a thing, it for the first time in league history, it became a real thing. Mm-hmm. Eddie was at there at any point that a team came to you. It made you an offer that you couldn't refuse, but as we can see from your career, you did. At, at any point, did any of the team come to you and offer you something and that you turned down just to stay in Albany?
1: Yeah. You got to realize, Mike, Coach Mike Horne, he was the head coach of the Chicago Rush. He offered me, um, you know, a lot. He offered me, you know, basically a lot. Okay. He doubled what I was already making.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But... Again, I, you know, prior to that, you got to look at it. I prayed to God to get an opportunity to play football, and Albany gave me that opportunity. So I wasn't on the business part of. I could have went over here and made a ton of money, a, a ton of money of what I've already what I was already making. But mm-hmm. you know, Albany was good to me. You know what I mean? So I didn't think it was appropriate for me to leave. That's not who I am. You know, when you when you when you find someone that gives you an opportunity, in my world, they gave me an opportunity when no one else would. Okay. So when more money came, you know, I was more I was loyal to not go. But it, it, he had doubled my salary. He had wow. put me in the. I would if I would have went to Chicago, I would have been making close to two hundred fifty thousand a year. Wow. Right. Yeah. It, it would have been it was up there.
0: It would have been weird to see you in, in, the, uh, in the blue and gray, I will admit. <laughs> right,
1: right. And I, and I just I, had, I, I was loyal to those who had took care of me when I was a nobody. And I didn't feel, you know, loyalty for me, money can't buy loyalty. Right. That's, that's my view of it. Okay. You're loyal and you be faithful to those who gave you an opportunity when no one else did. Right. That's um, my philosophy.
0: No, and it's it's good to see that you know loyalty. Actually, for in sports these days, you do see it, you, uh, and you when you see it, you appreciate it because um, sometimes for some, it isn't always money. Sometimes it is loyalty that will keep a player yeah. with the team, and and it's, and it's and it's and it's cool to see and to hear that you were offered quarter of a million dollars. That's wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. That that's and, and for that time, you know, this is this is before. You know, this is before right. the, the, the they got up the salaries got up there into six figures. So it's that's 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 mind boggling. Now unfortunately right. well, then, go ahead, Eddie. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, that was it.
0: That was it. Okay. Unfortunately for you in two thousand, it was not the coming off of a championship, it was not the best year for you at all. Um, I was
1: I was I was torn from the political stuff. I didn't and and, and that it, it, it hit me a different way. I didn't I was not educated on the political games that I played with that. So I, I had no focus on playing football or anything. I was looking at everybody like they were an enemy. And and that's that was my preparation. my preparation was awful. Everything that I did was just awful. So I was like, ugh, you know, I this is not what I wanna be part of. All
0: right. I mean, for you had quite a bit, you know, quite a downfall just that year. I mean, only twelve reception for two hundred and thirty-five yards, seven touchdowns. Obviously, you know, your through your career lows. So, it, it was it a combination of that itself? Were you hurt at any point? Where did were you benched at any point? What what would, for you besides the uh, getting used to what you were doing with the with the players' association and dealing with the you know with uh, all the uh, political stuff as you stated. Was there anything else that, that caused you to have such a bad year in 2000?
1: No, I just, I no, it was, it was my mentality and it, it was just the political stuff. I didn't, okay. I couldn't deal with that and play and deal with the union stuff and you shouldn't. I was not able to translate like the different things that were said in the meetings behind closed doors with the union stuff. Right. That affected me. So when we came outside those doors, the conversation that went on in there, it affected me that I really didn't want to be a part of that because you're saying one thing here, but then when we get out of here, you want to smile and laugh and we're supposed to be friends and blah, blah, blah. And I I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to put put all that together and understand it. So it kind of fluttered me. I was screwed up because I, I didn't trust. I didn't, you know, so I'm like, why am I doing this? So now I'm questioning what I'm doing. So I was like, screw it. I'm not doing it. Screw it.
0: Besides just besides having a bad year, your team did do well coming off the championship. You know, you, you went nine and five that year, um, and it's funny Arizona comes back to bite you guys in the butt in the playoffs again. You, you know, you you lose by by three to Arizona. Right. Look, besides that alone, Eddie, you know, obviously not you know not winning in the playoff, uh, getting knocked off in the playoffs in the first round. How how do you, how does this year two thousand alone? Uh, stand out in your mind, considering that you now know that this was going to be the last year for the team to be in Albany?
1: And see and that part I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It was it was up in the air with discussions. And it just, all those things there kind of really affected me. You know what I mean? That discussion, yeah. leaving Albany, uh, the different things that were being said here and said there. and I was truly affected by all that. All that stuff really bothered me. So it was, I just, Thought it was best that I just get myself together what I thought I wanted to do, and the direction I wanted to go.
0: Okay, how long had you known that the team was thinking about moving, uh, the, that coach uh, that uh, Glenn Missoula was thinking of moving the team to Indiana?
1: It was just talk at the time, it was just talk.
0: Okay, and was, then it was just talk. And then when you heard that this, the decision had been made that the team was going to be moving to Indiana, how, how did that affect you?
1: It affected me. Because we were leaving Albany, and Albany had became my home. But then they also told me that, you know, I, I was I, I was gonna. They, they needed me to be a huge part of the move, and you know, they wanted me to come back and you know, figure it out and all that kind of stuff. So they gave me time to put all that stuff together. So I was like, okay, you know, I did. And at that time, I told them I didn't want to do the union stuff. I didn't want to be part of that because I just I couldn't handle that. Okay. So they was like, okay, good. So I was able to separate myself from that, and I was able to just go back and focus back on playing
0: ball. At any point, Eddie, had you, when you heard that the team was moving to Indiana, had you thought about retiring at that point?
1: Uh, I had thought about retiring in 2000. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, I thought about it, but you know, I sat down with Glenn Mazzula, who was also a good friend of mine, and Joe Hennessy. Uh, all those guys, those guys, we, we, we're good friends. So you know they, you know we had some we had some good conversations. We had a couple of bottles of wine in those conversations. And you know they, you know they, they, we they emphasized some things to me that I thought was important that I needed to know. And and they gave their word on some things. And you know I gave my word and we moved forward. It was just one of those you know conversations that you know us men have to have. You know, it was closed door conversation it wasn't always a pleasant conversation. There was some choice words thrown at each other, but at the end of it, we we came to a a good median, and uh, I decided that I would come and I would come and and, and give a hundred percent. Um,
0: what what was it like going from uh, from the Pepsi Arena, which was it was called then, uh, to the uh, Conseco Field House? I mean, these these two arenas could not have been different. What 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 was your first thought when you with the introduction of the team going there cuz obviously you had some very rabid fans and they loved you in Indiana also over in Indianapolis.
1: They loved us there but it was uh we were a small fish in a huge pond. Okay. You know what I mean? In Albany, we were the fish. Right. There was no like nothing else. We were the fish. We go to Indianapolis, you got Peyton Manning, you got edge and games, you got Reggie Miller. <laughs> You got uh, the baseball team. You got the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, You got Purdue Boilermakers up the street. You got some of the best high school football in the country there. So we were like a small fish. So it wasn't a big deal when we played games. We didn't, you know, sell out the arena like we did every week in Albany. Mm
3: -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: It was – we were the fish in Albany. Now we were the small fish in Indianapolis. Right. You know, uh, you know. Think about it. We're competing against Peyton Manning. Really? The Indianapolis Colts. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it was, you know what I mean? Just think about it. You know, we're Albany. We were the city. You know, families, you know, there were kids that grew up coming to the Firebird game. That's what they did. So now when they became adults, they brought their family to the games like their family did that. So it was more of a family atmosphere. Indianapolis was more of a business atmosphere.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we had good fan base. It was great. We had a great fan base, but none could match Albany. Albany was twelve, thirteen thousand every night.
0: Uh, Two thousand one, uh, you guys were nine and five. Um, yeah. I mean, you had uh, it was a, a different quarterback this time around. He, but a still a very good quarterback, in Raymond Phillyal, who's made a, made himself a, a name in the Arena Football League. How was a uh, how was it transitioning over to, to Ray as your as your starting quarterback?
1: Um, it was always, you know, Ray was a perfectionist as well. You know, we always had really good quarterbacks that were perfectionists that wanted to be the best.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and and Ray Ray had his unique style, so that added to it. So it was an adjustment, and we would spend a lot of time together off the field studying, as 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 I had done with every quarterback that we had at the time. So it was a, it was a good transition, and Ray wanted to be the best, so he was going to do whatever
0: um you yourself that year still you know very very good year i mean it's uh you had you know 1500 yards receiving 37 touchdowns you know hoppy was your was your number two again that year um and you made it all the way to the to the semi-final to the, sorry to the conference final where, you're, where you guys are knocked off by a very very I think what a lot of people will say underrated, but a very strong Grand Rapids Rampage team. What and that was, it was that
1: t- young team we had beat earlier. You mm-hmm. got to realize that was that young team that we had beat earlier, the year prior to that, early in that, earlier, earlier not early in that season, but earlier before they start developing. Right. You know, you look at it, there was a time where we beat them, and we mm-hmm. beat them handedly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now they were they were the young team that we beat back then. Now they had gotten the experience that we had experienced when we first started out and we were falling short. So now it became their time. So, you know, they were able to, to beat us.
0: And and also it is a, a team uh, that was quarterbacked by a gentleman that you had met just a few years back in Europe. Right. For his very first start, and you know, Clint Dozell. So right. Clint
1: Dozel. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point I'm making. Very few yep. years back, that same group of guys. Now they had them, got mature, learned the game better. They wasn't rookies at it. It became very competitive, and they did things to get the ball out of their hand very quick. A lot of three step, a lot of quick stuff. Yeah. So,
0: um, what's it? Uh, and everybody knows that it's hard for a team to beat. A team three times in a year, and and Grand Rapids, Indiana became a, a great rival. Um, you know, I think it was that year. You it was a difference of less than uh, less than five points in each game. Right. How? For you yourself, I mean, it's what's it like going up a, a team three times in one season?
1: They were in our district, so we knew we had to play them. That, but we knew they were always. It was also very. They were going to be very tough. They came with a different scheme that. At that time, no one had used and perfected it with their personnel and with Clint Dozell as their quarterback. Mm -hmm. And we had to figure out a way to get over that. And it it was tough. It was tough. They did some things that we we were not, you know, it was different. They brought a whole different aspect. We brought the scoring aspect to the Arena League. They brought a different perspective to the Arena League where then everyone had to adjust to them.
0: Right. Um, Also, uh, something different for you since I had to ask. Uh, you get to go to your uh, another foreign country for you, kinda. You, you get to go to Toronto and you get to see yeah. see what it's like uh, to like in Canada. Uh, what was your experience like playing uh, playing against the the Phantoms in Toronto?
1: Very passionate fans. Uh, very passionate fans. Also about football, about their team, but also very classy. Mm-hmm. You know, they treated us well, even though we were the visiting team. You know, we, we were treated well. We were treated well. We were treated with respect. Uh, and, you know, they shared what they had to say to give their team the edge. But when it was over, it was over. You know, it was handshakes. It was hugs. It, it was every, it was that with everyone. Nice. You know, some places were not like that. It was just a, a, a good, very good class of people. I really enjoyed that. They were very courteous. It uh, reminded me of, uh, you know, the South where everyone speak to each other, say, hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you can, you know, where you can go down the street to your neighbor and borrow some sugar or something like that. It was right. that kind of atmosphere, of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of people that you never met, that you, you didn't have to worry about anything like that. Okay. That was very unique for me. That kind of hospitality—that's what I was looking for.
0: Okay. Uh, 2002 comes along. Uh, you guys are, end up at 500. Uh, at seven and seven. Uh you did make the playoffs where you were you uh ended up losing to Dallas in, in the first round of the playoffs. Um you yourself you did have a you had a, you know again you, you had a a good year, slightly down from from years past, only 69 receptions, 881 yards and 21 touchdowns. Um what what was the difference between Eddie Brown from uh from 2001 versus Eddie Brown from 2002?
1: I was getting old. All <laughs> the time was catching up with me
0: and uh
1: you know, uh, hitting the wall it started hurting. So I knew my time was coming, and I think by this time I had been lost a step. So okay. I think that was that was that was the difference. Like you know, father time has started kicking in, and it was it became harder and harder to be able to get at that level. You know what I mean? You're looking at going with, what what year we at now? We had two thousand three, two thousand two.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
1: you're looking at me doing it in ninety four. Now we're looking at what almost you know.
0: Well, it's almost almost ten years. It's almost ten years, but it, but it's still it's yeah. ten years. Ten years on your body, right?
1: And it just started taking a toll. I start I start feeling the hit. That one time, I thought the wall would fall down before I did.
0: No boy. But then
1: okay. I, yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> and and now all of a sudden, hitting the wall started hurting. Mm-hmm. And then my recovery wasn't the same. You know, after a Saturday game, it it would take me to at least you know, Tuesday, Wednesday to be back to normal right. when early in early in my career, I'll be back to normal by by Sunday mm-hmm. on Monday morning. You know, we had that day off, you know, I right. will go play basketball and run around with Daryl hammond, uh, you know, running two, five, two to five miles of them on Mondays to get ready for practice on Tuesday. Right. But I couldn't do that then because I was still trying to walk on Monday and Tuesday. So I knew mm. my days were numbered.
0: Okay. Uh, 2003, which ended up being your last year in the Arena Football League, not a very good season. You went six and ten, but still, Eddie Brown, you, you led the team in you know in, in all, all the offensive categories: ninety-one receptions, eleven hundred yards, seventeen touchdowns. Um, you know, not the best when it comes to touchdowns, but as you said, yeah, you know, your 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 age was getting up there. But what what do you what are you going to remember specifically about your last season in the Arena Football League?
1: Mm-hmm. Shoot, that I you know, shoot, the last year in Marina football in two thousand three shit, I was playing both ways. I wasn't the offensive specialist anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was playing defense now. I was playing offense, I remember that. Uh and and that was kind of a sign that, you know, it was you know, I wasn't the best player anymore. Right. Uh and it was it was a sign for me that it my had come. That's what I remember about it. I was playing defense and the wall when I hit it, my time had come. Um,
0: what was it? What was it like for you f- playing on defense, which, which full time what seemed you know full time for for really for the first time in your career? How was it? To, was it easy to get used to? Because as you said, you'd been the offensive specialist basically since you came into the league, and now you're right. doing something what is brand new.
1: I, I hated it, but it, it was that was the only while I was gonna have a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I didn't like that. I didn't want that defense. I, I, I was supposed to come on the field and score. And go sit down that mentality and I wasn't doing that but I had I had to selfish and I had to do what I had to do for us to be successful and that that is what my world had become so I, I wasn't my role had changed there were many times where others were asked for their role to change and they took it and did it so it was my time to do that as well right so I had to you know do it but I hated
0: it what um What finally made the decision for you? Uh, Do you remember, uh, where were you when you decided uh, your career as an Arena Football League player was done?
1: I'll be totally, totally honest with you. Steve DeBerg became the head coach. Mark Strout became the offensive coordinator. And the 2004 season, I did not play because those two guys, they cut me. So I didn't play 2004 because I was cut. I got cut by Steve DeBerge, the head new head coach, and mm-hmm. Mark Strout, who was the offensive coordinator. They cut me. They said I was, you know, I was done. They were going in a different direction, and they cut me. That's how my career ended.
0: Did you try to catch on cut. with another team that year, or did you say, no, I'm my career's done?
1: Yeah, I was like, it's over. I don't okay. want, I, You know, it, I just, once that happened, it was time to move on. It was time to go to another phase.
0: Different phase of my life. Right. Um, there were some obviously some big accolades for you um in your career. Obviously for the you know, the arena football league's fifteenth anniversary team you made that. Um two thousand six we'll talk about here, uh where in the, oh, for the twentieth anniversary you I'm, were you were ranked number one. You you were that, you were that, voted that the was, number one player in AFL history. That was um, great.
1: That was great.
0: Now There is a, and I'm curious, I won't, curious to know what you have to say about this. There is, I don't think it made the levels as Sosa versus McGuire. Mm -hmm. but when you talked about the Arena Football League, you talked about Barry Wagner and Eddie Brown. How was there a competition? I obviously, Barry was doing both ways. You were just the, some people would say you were just the offensive specialist, but your, your numbers spoke for, for, for your, for how good you were. What was there a, a, uh, a competition between you and Barry in any way?
1: Oh yeah, me and Barry compete every year. We compete against each other every year. We best friends today. Uh, we still we still talk. We still play golf. We still hang out. Uh, you know, I follow his son who was getting ready to go to college, full scholarship. So yeah, it, it was it was a competition with me and him every year. Uh, but it was a good comp- competition. You know, we would you know fight it out and. You know, at the end, we would hug, we would pray, and we would, you know, move on, wish each other luck. But it was, yeah, it was great competition, Mm -hmm. and that competition motivated, you know, you to be the best because after I would look at my numbers, I would want to know what did Barry do, Mm -hmm. and he would want to know what did Eddie do this week. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's how that went. Well,
0: am I wrong to say that that it wasn't as as uh, talked about as McGuire versus Sosa, you remember during their heyday of the, uh, the home run, home run derby, or do you think that you and Barry were on that same level?
1: I think we were on the level that we needed to be on to continue the arena football league to be credi- credible, and to continue to grow as it did. I think we had a, a huge, a huge impact on the growth of the league with how he played the game and how I played the games. Okay. Uh, Addition with some other guys that did play the game prior to us, but I think the notoriety that we were able to build with our competition against each other, I think that you know, propelled the league to uh, grow and get better and, and, and gain notoriety. Okay, I think we were a huge part of the growth.
0: Now, when you were voted the, the greatest player for, in the, uh, for the 20th anniversary of the AFL, um, do you remember where you were when you were told and, and uh, what, was your, what, what were your initial thoughts at that time?
1: I don't know where I were, where I was at, but I was definitely like in awe, like wow, like for real, like are you serious? You know, it was just an unbelievable compliment because, again, I was just that kid that just wanted to play football and get a second chance. I was that kid that had got cut by the Arizona Cardinals and just wanted a chance to play football again. That's who I was. That's the kid. I was that guy. So that's that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So that was it.
0: So did you? And uh, did did you happen to, to rib? Um, Barry a little bit that you were number one and he wasn't. You know, just a friendly type of thing. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, always. We still do it now. are <laughs> still close <going> on now. <laughs> we still go back and forth about it now, but it's it's all in love. You know, mm-hmm. all in love.
0: Is uh is he better better than you at golf?
1: Yeah. I don't <laughs> have the patience.
0: Yeah, he kicks my
1: butt in golf and he talks trash to me. Only time I play is with him. I really don't put that much into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I I still like the fast pace, you know, the strategic part. I don't have. He got it. He loves it. Right. So he, t- I let him, I let him take me out there and talk trash and, not driving around in the car. I get more fun <laughs> out of doing that than playing.
0: <laughs> now you so. did something completely different in two thousand and seven. You, uh, you kind that of, you got back into the into the arena football game itself you were named as head coach of the AF2's Fort Wayne Fusion yeah what can, what convinced you to become head coach
1: oh uh, because uh i just wanted a chance to get back in the game i had got myself together i got over the fact that you know my career was over but i felt like you know i really love coaching i really love working with the kids the younger generation i felt like i could be an asset and, and you know really you know I wanted the opportunity I wanted the opportunity to show that I can coach now that was that was it.
0: Was it hard getting together a an expansion club? Because I mean it's it's the first time I would imagine that you've done something like that. Was it was it a tough thing to do? No,
1: I just just use my name. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. using my name and being able being able to come play for the, the best the arena, best arena player ever in the arena league. So you know I was able to get some really good guys that bought in. So sure, we had a great season despite some of the things we experienced, but we, 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 we did well.
0: And, uh, F- Fort, Wayne only la- Fort Wayne only lasted a, a year in the AF2, um, right. at, after the 07 season, um, was it that the team folded Eddie, or you were fired yeah. or, or it, it was just a, now
1: the team folded. Yeah. The team folded, the owner really didn't have the assets that he claimed he had. It was one of those type deals, mm-hmm. uh, so they end up, you know, somebody else came in and bought the team and ended up taking the team into a different arena lead. And, you know, I don't do, I don't, I do one arena lead. I don't do no other arena lead. Right. I don't, okay. that's not, I don't do all that.
0: And, <laughs> and from there, you've you had, you know, you've been different type of coaches and stuff like that, head coaches and assistant coaches, um, you know, Wabash, Fort Scott, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but obviously, you're, you're big. Uh, I would hope would, which would be on the level of you winning the Arena Bowl, is that in 2011, Eddie, you became a member of the Arena Football League Hall of Fame. Where were you when you found out that you had been inducted?
1: Uh, I was in Kansas City, Kansas, coaching at Wyandotte High School. First place, my first head coaching job in high school, and I found out, and I was like, oh my god, and. The ceremony was actually down here in Florida, which my mom, my family can come. You know, they could just drive up, so it was like great. So it, it was another accomplishment that I really truly love and, and, and cherish uh, to this day.
0: Um, it's, it's be the second time that you'd be receiving a ring. Uh, what was it like being? Because I'm, I'm looking at the uh, looking at the list here right now. What, what was it like okay. being induct, inducted with all of those uh, Arena Football League greats?
1: Oh, It was awesome. It was awesome. It was, it was an honor. Another, it was another accomplishment. It was another, you know, something that you didn't have in your plans uh, to be able to achieve, which was huge.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. How um how hard or how easy was it for you to write your acceptance speech?
1: It was easy. I don't I don't like write. I'm not a, a guy that writes speeches. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy that gets up and just speaks from the heart. I speak from the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, like, write a, you know, I don't, I can't write a, I can write a speech, but I don't, I think, I don't think it's genuine. You know, I get up there and I speak for the, at the moment, that moment of the stuff that hits you there, that's what I speak, speak about.
0: Obviously, from there, um, yeah, I said you've gotten to be head coach and stuff like that. Um, at any point were you, did you want to come back or were you ever asked to join a, a coaching staff in the Arena Football League?
1: No, uh, at all, not at all. No. No, not at all um
0: and then we'll skip forward to 2018 and you hear that the a team is finally going to be returning an afl team is finally going to be returning to the city that you started off in in albany um what what, what were your what, what were the thoughts going through your mind knowing that the team's coming back I thought back. it was great yeah I
1: thought it was great for the albany community uh but I also was very concerned Uh, that I was hoping this would be something that can last Mm -hmm. because it had been teams that had come and gone and really, you know, broke the hearts of the Albany fans. Right. And uh, they reached out to me and wanted me to be part of it. Uh, And I told them I I would want to be a part of it, but I didn't want to be a part of someone, something that was not going to be sincere and give the Albany fans what they deserve. Right. And they reassured me that, that was not their goal. Uh, that's why they had reached out to me because that's how they wanted to do it. And uh, I was ex- I was happy. I was happy to be able to go and and and, and they were doing well. They put a great coach in place. Uh, the team were winning. Great guys. Uh, they represented the community well. Uh, I thought it was great.
0: Also that year, they they were going. They finally because you didn't have a chance before. They they retired your number. Put it up to the rafters over at the whatever the Knickerbocker or Pepsi, or, or the Times Union Center, whatever you want to call it. They put your 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 uh, your number up in the rafters. What was uh what what was that that like? Uh, being able to be there, everybody chanting your name and seeing your number go up to the rafters right next to the uh to the right next to the uh to the uh, arena bowl banner. I think I think
1: I think it, the 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 most the most important part of that is. Uh, you know, I had some of my kids yes. there with me, you know what I mean? So that was a huge part of it to actually, you know, they were not there to actually see some of the things that I had done. It was not, you know, they knew of, of things I had done, but to see them, for them to be there and to see that, you know, for me it's, it's more or less uh, them being there, seeing that, you know, setting the tone at what, you know, what they should do and how they should inspire to, be great at what they're doing, right? Even if it's not sports, it's mm-hmm. whatever they're doing to be great because they can say, you know, this is what me as their dad, this is what I did. So that that was great.
0: Did you hesitate at all in 2019 uh, when when the league asked you or the ownership group up. asked you to come in and speak for uh, right before the uh, right before the Arena Bowl in
1: 2019? No, uh-uh. no. no, no, because they have fulfilled. We had a discussion, and they had fulfilled their discussion that we had, and it was it was a no brainer for me to be there. Yeah, no, I was not going to say that it was a no brainer. So that's and, what I had
0: done. And obviously, from there, the, Albany wins the, the championship. Um, did it bring you back a little bit to the to the to 1999 when you won yours? It didn't bring
1: me back, but it just was like I was so happy for the Albany community. I was just so happy for the fans because it had been just that long. You know, the last time a championship was won there was when I actually was on the team that we did it, and mm-hmm. to actually have it done again and be part of it, I was just happy for the fans because they had been through what how many, how many years? We're talking about '99 to 2018, yeah. so what we're looking at over over what 18 years?
0: It was yeah, it was almost it was almost 20 years to the day actually. <laughs> almost 20 years, yeah. So it was more or less
1: like you know, you look at how many generations had grown in those 20 years. Uh, and, and, and to be able to see that happen. And there were those that was there in 99 that were no longer with us uh, that weren't able to see that, weren't able to be, be part of that. So it, it was such a great thing to see the fans and their support, how they all came out. The arena was sold out again. It was loud. It was crazy as usual. So it was just great being part of it, uh, but mainly just, you know, just seeing the Albany community be the Albany community. Be the best fans in the world. That's what I experienced.
0: Um I I <laughs> have a, a, I've appreciated everything that you that we've talked about here, and I, I appreciate awesome. your time, Eddie. Um, I just, appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. One more thing I want to ask you before I happen to let you go, uh, and uh, we finish up the the the, the this episode. Um, yes, we know it the cur- the way that the current way that it is that the Arena Football League may never return again, but. For you, a a gentleman who put so many years into the Arena Football League, uh, made a name for yourself, became a living legend in the Arena Football League. If you were to say one thing to the Arena Football League fans, what would you tell them?
1: Thank you. I appreciate their support. I appreciate how they cheer for us. I appreciate how they cheer for others. I appreciate the love that was given from arena to arena, Uh, the passion. I would just thank, just thank, just thankful for all that. Just thankful for their hospitality, thankful for their motivation, calling, calling us out of their name to root for their team. Just all the support because you know a lot of guys that play in the league, you know they develop families, they develop long-term friends. I developed long-term friends that I would have for the rest of my life, and and Arena Football League gave us that. Uh, Arena Football League gave a lot of us an, a second chance to play ball because a lot of us came from being released out of the NFL. Uh, but the Lee took us in and gave us another opportunity to continue to play football, and, and I'm very appreciative of that. And uh, I know I speak for a lot of uh, my teammates and a lot of the guys that played against. Uh, but the main thing I would say is thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That w- that's what I would say.
0: I want to thank Eddie Brown for for joining us for this episode of AFL Rewind. And I hope that just by listening to this episode, uh, you will agree that the word legend actually does uh, fit Eddie quite well. Um, It is also nice to see somebody who is considered a legend in the Arena Football League to be so humble as he is and uh, a great person when it comes to the sport that he played and that he is representing. Um, I, d- I hope that uh, that came off and uh, uh, there were, I'm sure there were quite a few tidbits of information that uh, you learned along the way. If you want to listen to any of the past episodes of uh, AFL Rewind, there are a couple of places where you can do just that. Uh, if you head over to SoundCloud, Apple podcasts, Google podcast, Spotify, iart radio, and our audio version over on YouTube. Also, if you want to make any comments, suggestions on what you would like to hear on future episodes, you can email us over at aflrewind at arenafan.com. And also, some news I just want to at least pass along. Uh, there have been some additions to the uh, to the Arena Fan family. We have created a brand new YouTube channel where we are hoping to include as many full games as possible from all the years within the arena football league so if you do a general search over on youtube arena football tv all the current games and the channel will pop up and we do hope that you do subscribe uh, and uh stay tuned for many many more uh full games from uh the uh, from the arena football league so we hope that you are healthy and well and we do hope to have you here for the next episode of AFL Rewind. So for everybody here, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.